Welcome from sunny Tampa, Florida. It's Jonathan Honig and James Valiant and the Ayn Rand Center UK's Daily Objective. It's great to see you, Jim, from, you know, you're in California. I'm in Florida. People are moving from your state to this state. But we're a global community. That's what we are. You know, we're a global community of objectivists. And from the Ayn Rand Center UK to all throughout Europe and even Asia, South America and the world, we're here to be part of your journey and learning about Ayn Rand's objectivism. And why am I even talking? Because we've got one of the great objectivist scholars with us today. Great to see you, Jim. Oh, great to see you. As always, we have one of the great inv- experts on it in the economy and investment here as well, Mr. Jonathan Honig of, of Fox Business, whose well, commentary I never miss. Uh, he's also one of the great hedge fund managers, experts on commodities uh, that you will ever find. So we're very fortunate to have Mr. Honig as usual. Well, I appreciate that. Look, I mean, what's so great about our environment here and why we need our viewers' support is that we're all students. This is a, you know, we don't need to say it, but this is a complete safe space. We're all learning about objectivism. Uh, you know, Jim, you studied with Dr. Peikoff, and I believe I'd speak for you and you'd say you're still learning about objectivism. Very much despite- so. Despite your, you know, your years and your expertise, so you know we're happy you're all with us on our our journey. And you know, part of what I think the fun and exciting thing is, you know, we've always talked about objectivism for being a philosophy for living on Earth. So a lot of what we do here on the Daily Objective is talk about life on Earth and our perspectives of it, and bring some of our own experiences and knowledge of object- objectivism. And you know, we cast a wide net throughout you know Europe and the world, Jim. And both of us been keep, keeping an eye on some pretty remarkable and not, and I'd say, in a good way protests out of Europe writ large, but in France in particular. And it's all about, in effect, moving the retirement age in that country up two years. Right. Most Western countries, as people know, have a government, a retirement pension program, uh, like the United States' Social Security or the retirement pension program in the United Kingdom. Uh, Most Western industrialized nations have considered this aspect of the welfare state absolutely essential. And so they have it. And in most cases, like America, it's not a funded retirement pension system at all, but a pay-as-you-go pyramid scheme that is uh, given the baby boomer wave of population is causing an economic crisis across the Western world, of course, for all of these pay-as-you-go uh, retirement schemes, whether it's Social Security in the United States or the retirement pension system in France. Um, in most Western countries, most industrialized countries have a much higher or at least a noticeably higher retirement age for full receiving full benefits. In the United States, for example, it's 66 or 67 is the age, depending on when you uh, were born, whether to get full uh, Social Security benefits. In Great Britain, I believe it's 66 as well. The EU average is 65. In France, they're considering raising it from 60, the age of 62 to the age of 64, and this has caused an explosion. Now, mind yeah. you, in welfare in general, France has the most generous welfare system in Western Europe. Um, the EU, the European Union average, for example, of welfare expenditures is about 28%, uh, whereas in France, it's 34% goes to welfare payments. And they are far, of course, less productive economies than Britain or the United States, which have a higher per uh, capita GDP. So they can much less afford it. And yet they have far more generous welfare and retirement provisions. But this this mere retirement age thing from 62 to 64 is causing them to go crazy on the streets. 
And Jim, I, I know when you, you say generous, I, I believe you probably say you're putting that in, you know, the old air quotes. You know, I mean, yes. when you when you often see conservatives, money is the way I would put it. Sure. Generosity sure. with other people's money really isn't generosity at all, is it? <laughs> you know, the, the, there are so, uh, you know, few the the existence of the welfare state, as you know, some social security, some government funded, quote, retirement pension system that we know isn't a retirement pension system. It's a it's a it's a promise to rob you and then rob someone in the future. Uh, but there is no ownership there. You have no assets in your name. You have no bar of gold in your safety deposit box. Um, so, you know, I, I have, I go back and forth. Uh, I have empathy for these people, but I also think, well, you know, isn't that to some extent what you expect? Because there is no property right. It always comes to violence in the streets. At the end of the day, how else can you resolve issues, you know, in something like this? Of how, how long should you work? How, do you own anything? It, you know, because there is no property rights, it's up to the biggest mob. And we're seeing the biggest mobs, millions of people in the streets in Paris. Well, exactly. See, when I had a regular job, you know, for 18 years as a prosecutor and I got a regular paycheck, I wasn't going to, I knew from the outset, I couldn't rely on social security. That's insane. I started saving for my own retirement. I've used the deferred income programs. I put money into a funded pension, <laughs> which I knew could actually have a good chance of uh, uh, making my retirement secure at some point. Uh, it is insane to believe that these kind of systems are stable or anything more than like pond type pyramid scheme because they really are at the end of the day there is no you know people have become expecting of it and so i think people who are approaching retirement age uh have built in that expectation uh but you know an ordinary investment well, in an you know, equity index fund would outperform what you'd get from social security and, 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 the and the taking of it is wrong right it's the it's the force oh. you know it's this is not a voluntary. None of these are voluntary systems no. where people. But, but let me let me play a little bit. We'll kind of get right into some of the meat now. You know, people kind of get the, the story here. What about the idea? And I think I've heard Dr. Brooke talk about this over the years of, you know, look, you've made promises with the welfare state. All of these governments have. They're, they were wrong. But the idea of setting a plan, look, it take, took 30, 40, 50 years to put it in place, setting a plan in place to phase it out. So you say, all right, well. For the next 10 years, there's going to be nothing. But, right. you know, new entrants, so you start to plan to phase it out. Was that part of Macron's problem here? Was that he said, all right, we're just making this cut. Let's do it right now. Well, yeah. Or, See that or, or I'm sorry, but was it that he hadn't sold people on the very idea? You know, ideas move yeah. the world. Oh, not by no means had he sold people on the concept. He tried this back in 2019. There was hue and cry and upset, and he faced a no-confidence vote back then, and they pulled back the plans then to do it immediately. Uh, Macron has won a second presidential term, probably his last, so he's kind of a lame duck. Now, the French Constitution, there's an article in it, 49.3 of the French Constitution, that permits the uh, French executive to bypass the Assemblée Nationale, in other words, the lower house of the assembly, doesn't even need to vote on this to approve it. Sure. He can change a fundamental thing like this unilaterally. Uh, he has invoked this several times. He's already survived <laughs> no confidence votes. But if you survive the no confidence vote, the executive can ram this through without the approval of the legislature. So bypassing a parliamentary vote here has been part of the thing. 
uh, people feel sort of shut out of the process, out of the democratic process in France, and that's been part of it. Uh, nor has he intellectually prepared people for this, nor has he, you know, sort of said, hey, wait, I'm going to phase this in slowly over time. And, you you know, younger people are just going to have to make uh, new arrangements and stuff. No, no. Uh, we have young people protesting. We have uh, environmentalist groups protesting, people from across. Get this. 800,000 people in one single protest. And there have been hundreds literally hundreds of protests across France that involve millions and millions of people. There have been, in just one alone, 450 to 500 arrests already uh, from the French government. They're using gasoline bombs. They're using right. firearms. They're setting exactly. they set the city, uh, uh, a city hall on fire. Exactly. I mean, thank you for making the distinction. I mean, the, uh, the, the term protest is thrown around far too generously these days. You know, I think protest implies, it's like when they started to say that Obamacare is a marketplace. Marketplace implies a free market. So protest to me implies nonviolent. A, you know, a, a violent protest is just violence. It's just, it's right. just a protest. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you throw a gasoline you know, bomb and you throw rocks at uh, innocent businesses and cops and stuff. Uh, well, you set fires to government buildings. <laughs> it, it almost reminds me a little bit, you know, people always ask uh, famous objectivists, you, Dr. Brooke, Dr. Uh, Peakoff, well, you know, what if you were just made president and you could just pass all these objectivist laws? But isn't that kind of what, Macron, you know, even if you'd say, well, Macron's trying to, quote, do a good thing, you can't force people something that they don't believe in, more, their, their morality says is wrong. The, the, the French and so many other Americans, even if you look at Donald Trump's timeline recently, believe that the, the, more, the um, entitlement state is good, that the, right. the welfare state is a positive thing. And if you're against that, you know, then, then, then that's what's immoral. This is a great case study of exactly what you were saying and what objectivists have said for a long time. Even if we could wave some magic wand and change the government into one that is friendly to us or would be the ideal objectivist government or something, how long would it last? You know, about right. two nanoseconds later, everyone would scream and that Congress would pass it and people would rise up and, uh, you know, t uh, take it out until people understand for example, it's clear to me that uh, the ordinary French person does not understand the law of cause and effect in economics, that mm -hmm. you can't get something for nothing. They've bought mm -hmm. into the sort of Obama philosophy, you didn't build that. In, mm -hmm. in, it's what John Galt said, right? It's the law of cause and effect that's the real enemy here. And they don't really understand uh, economics in any kind of basic level, much less at your level. Uh, but I think ordinary people have the brain pans to understand that you can't get something for nothing and that there are economic limits to what a government can do when it makes these open-ended promises to, you know, uh, in a pay-as-you-go system, for example. But initially just forcing people onto the system is morally wrong, too, as you say. Until people get some basic uh, philosophical re-education, let me put it this way, about ethics, about cause and effect in economics, it's hopeless. It's absolutely hopeless. Uh, and uh, that's the kind of education that's necessary prerequisite. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, Rand talks about there's no difference in the moral and practical. And we could spend all evening here in the UK going back and forth. I mean, the most obvious idea of the practicality is this, this misnomer of a so-called safety net. 
you know, the, the suggestion is, is that we can't trust individuals with their own retirements. We need something safe, like a government retirement thing. Because, but, you know, there is no, how, how safe really is it, Jim, when they can change it at any time? You don't, there's nothing you own. There's, and, and, you know, and at this point, let's, uh, let's get to so many great super chatters because they're supporting us and we thank them. Robert Naser says, who'd give money voluntarily just to support it? I mean, come on, no, no one gives away their hard-earned money just to support things they want, approve, and like. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, hint, hint. Tom mentions that I heard by, the, by 1960, the U.S. bureaucracy knew that Social Security would eventually be no longer self-funding. I mean, wouldn't you know that day one, Jim? I mean, wouldn't yeah. you know? Right, like, I mean, because it, it is actually, immoral. There were a couple of economists even back in the 30s who said that this is, un, you know, but even then when the, the benefits were so limited and so connected, we don't have all these Christmas tree of Social Security uh, supplemental income and supplemental benefits that have added, making no causal relationship to what you put in, to what you expect to get out. But even then there were people complaining. But uh, in the 60s, they were aware of it. By the 1980s, we had to have the Greenspan Commission to do fixes. And there have been fixes upon fixes upon fixes because this thing but no, is... But no it, fundamental fixes. That's the point. They, that's keep, the they keep fixing the welfare state, but they're not right. fixing the ideology that created the Right. It, it must be a oh. cosmetic and te- therefore Look, temporary solution every time. And, and I don't know, my guess is that there's zero appetite in, in uh, France, but in the U.S., I think Jim and I can both report that there is zero interest in eliminating or reforming the welfare state at all. In fact, the leading contender for the Republican nomination now is talking about uh, the importance of preserving Medicare, preserving Medicaid, preserving oh. all the Social Security entitlement programs, keep funding them open. So, you know, this is what's, I think, so sobering for us, Jim, you know, Rand's famous line about, it's earlier than we think. Right. You I know, mean, about it's... 20 years ago, uh, George H.W. Bush, uh, shortly after, when he got elected in 2000, one of his cam- alleged campaign promises was to start reforming Social Security and converting it over on a volunteer basis to, vo- to a partial volunteer system. He was a monster. He was yeah. just for suggesting that. And, of course, he completely you know, put that on the back Fail burner. Yeah, uh, bailed on it completely. Moral and social and religious issues became far more important to him. And that idea went out the window. Ever since then, no one in America has even touched the idea of any kind of attempt to get it onto a voluntary or, a, a you know, some kind of a phase out system like that. No one has even suggested it when it seemed to me that was such a vital issue then. And the Republicans had no understanding of it. And that's the last anyone ever heard of it. And now Tom, you've got Tom. I want more. We have to give medical services to everybody. We are the ones who will protect Social Security, not those Democrats. So, yeah. Well, and, and Tom's point, you know, and, and Ms. Rand always talks about it's immorality drives ethics. Am I, am I think I'm correct in saying that. So, yes. you know, um, I, I remember reading when I was researching the minimum wage that they knew when they passed the minimum wage that it destroyed jobs. They yes. knew it in the 30s. It was yes. knowledge among but they did it because the morality is altruistic and says, well, we can't just have someone working for this low, so we have to do something. So, you know, it's, it's morality that drives us. It's not economics. As Dr. Burke always says, if people wanted to, you know, create wealth, they would all be free market, free market uh, laissez-faire capitalists. You know, I, I don't think you should be trusted with your own dietary decisions. 
they will have more to do with your life expectancy, Jonathan. They will have more to do with your quality of life. I think that the government needs to make your diet decisions to tell you what you need to eat, how much you need to exercise. By the way, can we really trust you driving your own personal vehicle down a highway in America? My God, there's all these other people going 60, 70 miles an hour, and they're right next to you just a couple of feet away. If you think about it for a second, if I can't take care of my own retirement, if I can't take care of my own health care, then what are they treating me like? They're treating me like a child. That they, they should take away from me my ability to make fashion choices if I'm that incompetent. Well, wasn't that, what was the, the whole idea? I mean, you've studied the history much more than I have. Do you have the whole idea in Soviet Russia that bread is too important to leave it to something as, in, in fa- as fallible as the free market? We need government to take care of things that are really important because we can't leave that to greedy capitalists. The logic is exactly, of course, the opposite. If you want lots of bread, quality bread, a variety of choices in bread, then what you want is a free market in agriculture and food distribution. And and, and retirement, of course. (laughs) Of course. And the same goes true with everything else. All these other values. If you want better retirement security, get the government out of it. If you want better education, get the government out of it. If you want better health care, get the government out of it. Each time they say something is important, boy, we got to have health care. Boy, we got to have education. That's what has caused the ridiculous superinflation in those that has priced the middle class out of those markets. The more they think it's important, the more they destroy the area, that whole field. And retirement insurance and pensions has been totally corrupted in the industrialized world through this mandatory uh, social security type systems that they have. No question about it. And I want to thank Tom, uh, who is gifted very generously in Ayn Rand Center UK membership. Want to thank Equal to Reality, also very generously has gifted an Ayn Rand Center UK membership. And Bonnie, who is a regular Super Chatter, member of our philosophy posse, joining us for the discussion today, interesting discussion. And, you know, there's so much to make of it, uh, James. And, you know, it, it comes down to so many of those fundamental principles, you know, talk to a conservative, even the best conservative the other day, and they'll say, well, you know, it's a good idea, but we just can't afford it. People are living too long. We all need to make some sacrifices for the greater good. So that underlying philosophy is just the same. And, you know, People want radical. Objectivism is the only radical alternative to this morass of collectivism, which is everywhere. And it's why I think this continued study, what would you recommend for Ms. Rand in terms of learning about a bit more like of the immorality of the welfare state? Is that capitalism, the unknown ideal? Where's a good place to start? A good place. Well, you know, Atlas Shrugged really is what hit me over the novel Atlas Shrugged because it shows ordinary workers, it shows business people at the highest level. So that whole range of the impact of socialism on society and why it's an assault on the creative mind. It puts a gun to the most productive, the heads of the most productive minds in your society. It is bad for everybody, and you can see the relationship. Mm-hmm between the mind and progress, between freedom and the liberation of the mind and progress in a very concrete, fictionalized, true, but a concrete, visualized way. But of course, uh, virtue of selfishness is the philosophical background, but capitalism, the unknown ideal. And the new, Ayn Rand's book, The New Left, which was reprinted as Return of the Primitive, edited by Peter Schwartz, I would, you know, and I actually would send people to more recent stuff that's been done by your own Brooke and Don Watkins and stuff. There's all kinds of good literature and material out there about this 
about the, the suicidal nature of the welfare state, about the immoral nature of the welfare state. Um, and yeah. that's really what it comes down to. I'll throw, Don, Don Watkins had a book kind of more oriented, I think, towards younger people a couple of years ago called The Debt Dilemma, I believe which is yes. excellent kind of for, for younger readers. And Peter Schwartz had a book about selfishness, selfishness out in the last couple of years. So these are great resources to kind of introduce people. And, you know, I'll just say, you know, Jim, in the few moments we have left, you know, I, what, what I find so frustrating is, as you said, I mean, this, people don't see the money that's been taken from them year after year after year of the welfare state. So it's to Robert's point, it's not that if we say, well, I'll take 10% of my income and send it and hopefully they'll get it. So they don't see it. But I, as I said, I mean, I, I empathize with the frustration and I resent the fact that am I going to be expected one day to have to go friggin' set a car on fire to get what is mine? You know, like, is, you know, if there's a frustration and knowing that you're expecting that there is, aren't I going to get some of that back? And there is no ownership. You don't have anything. You just have your gun at the end of the day. You just have your fists. And like, what kind of a society is that? And you see these beautiful centers of in Paris and beautiful centers of, 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 of reason being overrun with street violence and thuggery, this is not a, a bullish sign. No, it is not. You know, uh, if you think that government benefits are a more secure way to a prosperous future, you really have some major cause and effect problems. Uh, no. Turn uh, on the news. Turn on the news. Turn on the news. It, 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 Turn on the really, news. Uh, government is a least, if you're relying on government for your retirement, that's far less secure than, you, as I say, you can just put it in the bank. Certainly, certainly you're the most basic stock index fund, a broad-based stock index fund would have dramatically outperformed anything you're going to get back in a return from Social Security. Promise. And that's assuming they don't mess with it because they got to fix it more in the future. Uh, so it's totally insecure. Social security I mean, oxymoron. Social insecurity for retirement people. And then look at inflation. You could people on fixed incomes. If you're really relying on that, remember the government is always messing with our money. And look at the inflation we're experiencing now. Uh, and those people get hurt the most brutally. So yeah. And look, and, and I'm not. This is not recommendation. Rest recommendation, but. You know, even read what Ms. Rand wrote about, you know, gold and as a tool of, of savings, among other things. But, you know, Jim, you work and you earn enough money for that ounce of gold, about $2,000 an ounce now. Put it in the safety deposit box. It is untouched. It is no one has a claim on it. It is yours. And when you go retrieve it 10 years later, 100 years later, it's going to be exactly the same. And there's so few other assets like that in the world that have so such independence. And I want to thank. Briefly, John, again, who's gifted five Ayn Rand Center UK memberships. That's huge, John. Thank you so, so wow. much. Thank you, um, John. Yeah. Well, you're keeping James Valiant. You're keeping Mark Pellegrino. You're keeping so many of the great uh, uh, um, people we have on the channel. In fact, coming up at 7 p.m. UK time, it's Finance Friday with Jim Brown. Jim is a brilliant. He really knows his stuff on finance. He's a very successful entrepreneur. So he's going to be talking about, talk, talk about ripped from today's headlines, the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. And then at 10 p.m. UK, it's TV talk with Mark Pellegrino, Jacqueline Schumann, and Jennifer Burandi on the show, The Last of Us. But isn't that cool, Jim? It's like you're getting a real TV star to talk about 
these interesting shows from an objectivist perspective. Some of these, you know, a super successful is, investor here, a real successful movie actor over here. We're, and think of the range of issues that we cover: everything from popular culture to economic issues to world politics. Uh, people, please, 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 if you find the work we do here at Ayn Rand Center UK valuable, please consider becoming a member, supporting a subscriber, join, um, and we do appreciate those super chats. We uh, are creating a world community of students of objectivism here, and I think if the future has any future, if you look at the situation in France, or if you look at the situation between the alleged argument between Trump and Biden going on right now, you realize we've got to transcend this situation. And the only way to do that is discussions like this and through yeah. your generous help. And that's yeah. what makes it possible. It's so exciting. And Jim, you, you're probably old enough to remember when Learning about objectivism meant getting like a tape sent to you or a record where you had to go to someone's house for a listening party. Right. And, you know, I do. I do. <laughs> the Ayn Rand Center UK, thanks to Jim, you know, Jim is a true expert in this in objectivism. And, you know, other people associated with we have this daily broadcast for you. So, as Jim said, thank you for making us part of your mix and supporting us, becoming a member. We really needed to keep this going. So, uh, thank you for the discussion today, Jim. I always learn so much. And uh, would certainly recommend both your books that are pictured there and, and all your work. So follow you on social and, uh, and, and I hope to see you again here on the channel as well. Thank you, my friend. See you next time. All right. Best premises to all have a safe and peaceful weekend. And we'll see you back Monday for more of the Daily Objective. Best premises. Be well.